So Chris Jericho recently said that AEW will eventually beat Raw in the ratings. He gave it four to six months. Believe it or not, it only took four to six days. We talk about that and review this week's Dynamite next on Squared Circle Cycle. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, I honestly, as someone that has worked in television for six or seven years now, actually more than that, almost 10 years now, I would have never thought someone outside of WWE would be you know, beating Raw in the ratings in professional wrestling. And here we are, AEW Dynamite has done it. Off the high momentum that they have with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole and a very good all-out pay-per-view. So the tides seem to have turned. What's next for AEW and what's next for Raw here? (laughs) Well, I I certainly don't think that there is any fix for Raw um, anytime soon, Um, which which is unfortunate because, you know, as, as as bad if you want to call it bad or you know some i know some people enjoy it still but where raw currently is i don't think there's any quick fix i think they've Mm -hmm. kind of made their bed and they're gonna have to lay in it until they decide to change things and you know with wwe who knows if they're actually ever going to legitimately try to change certain things um it's it's definitely interesting to see that aew has been able to make up so much ground in so little time but i guess that's what happens when you have uh, a wrestling fan who's also a billionaire who who wants to start a wrestling company and gets mm-hmm. national television. And not only that, but also surrounds himself with good young talent. And then they're able to get some high profile guys, which, you know, for the longest time on this show, we've said, look, when they start to get guys like that from WWE, that's when there's going to be a big difference. You always said here on this show that let's see what happens when they get a guy like a Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. or, or, or somebody like a CM Punk, like right. they need those big high profile name guys to draw the fans in. And hopefully the fans see uh, what they like and, and, and continue to tune in now. Now that's where it's going to be difficult. And I said this last week, now that they've got the names, now that they've got the talent, now that they're coming off this huge wave and this huge rush following all out following this week on dynamite, how do they keep it ish- interesting and how do they keep it fresh? Because now you got to write for these guys on a mm-hmm. weekly basis. Now you mm-hmm. got to keep it interesting. Right. And that's when things can sometimes get difficult because you have all these guys and you have these young guys that are coming up that you certainly don't want to forget about. Guys like Ricky Starks, guys like Hangman Page, um, guys like Darby Allen, all of those guys that are certainly right. very good. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to get lost in the shuffle, but you also don't want to lose the momentum that you currently have. So that's what's going to be interesting to see. Yes, fans are interested. Yes, there's intrigue. Can they sustain that going forward without just relying on um, the returns, the shock, and things of that nature? Now they're going to have to rely on their creative team, or if they have a creative team, or whoever that may be, the higher powers that be in AEW, to keep those fans where they are and keep that 1.3 million number, whatever the numbers are, uh, keep those going up or at least kind of sustain where they're at. Right. Now, I will say this episode was a very important episode. One, because you're following up all this momentum. And usually what happens with AEW Dynamite, when they have these like big shows or following up on a Dynamite, it kind of is a letdown. But you have a lot of questions that you're going to answer here. What is next for CM Punk? What happens with Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson? What's next for MJF? Well, you know, what's next for you know, such and such. And I feel like a lot of these questions were in fact answered last night on AEW dynamite. 
And I, I you know, to, to answer your question, you know, how do they keep guys interesting? This is the first step. Just letting people know what's next for them. Do they, you know, they're not, most of them were on TV that were on all out. I think there were a couple that were not on dynamite this week. And even if they were, they might have had a little bit of a blurb that I just overlooked, but you know, they did stuff to tell you, we have a story in line for them. We have plans for them. And that's where WWE for a long time have not shown you. There's no plan for a lot of these guys unless you're in a championship title picture like Roman Reigns, whoever his challenger is this month, you know, or Damian Priest, who's now the United States champion. Now Sheamus is back in the picture there. Uh, Bobby Lashley, you know, unless you're a champion or a number one contender, it's very rare for you to have a story. Now, let's talk about the show itself. It started off with Malachi Black and Dustin Rhodes. Malachi Black wins the match uh, with, unfortunately, not the greatest black mass kick as Dustin got kicked in the shoulder, not necessarily the face, uh, tries to sell the kick by bleeding out of the mouth. They sell that a little bit, but um, prolonging this story with Malachi Black going through the Nightmare Factory and the Nightmare Family, and eventually we are getting Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black in two weeks at the uh, New York show Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Do you think Malachi Black looked good here, although a little contested against the veteran in Dustin Rhodes? And do you think Cody could be getting his win back at this big show? Uh, the match itself, I, I don't know if Malachi Black came out of that match looking as good as they probably necessarily wanted him to, to look. I, I only say that because... You know, if you go back and watch the match, yeah, there were certain points in the match that were a little clunky. If you want to call them botches, maybe you call them botches. I, whatever you want to call them. Um, I thought the match certainly had really good moments that I enjoyed. But, you know, mm-hmm. as you pointed out, the, 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 the missed black mass at the end certainly didn't do the match any favors. Uh, there was a weird power slam spot that, that happened with Dustin where it seemed like they're just the coordination was off. I, I did not like the point in the match where Malachi Black went under the ring and pulled the boot out. Um, props to, to the commentary team. At least they said, Oh, he must've planted that there. Um, you know, so little things like that, I mean, certainly took away from the match a little bit. I don't think it killed the match, but match itself wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be. Now, um, Cody Rhodes has been gone for quite some time. I think he's filming a TV show and and obviously he's a new father. Mm -hmm. So he's coming back to what capacity? I don't know. Um, now I, I think that Malachi black should continue to get wins. Um, I think that he should go over Cody Rhodes and I think that they can continue to do a lot of good things with him. Um, he's a guy that, you know, when you look at the numbers and you look at kind of the, the viewership, people are tuning in to see him. His, his matches usually end up being like one of the higher viewed segments, whether that's because it's the opening of the show or the main event, but people are into him and that's a good thing. You want people Mm -hmm. to be intrigued, especially when it's a fresh talent like him. So I think he should go over Cody, and I think that they can should continue the ball rolling with Malachi Black, for sure. Right. I agree with you 100%. I do think that Malachi Black should get another win over Cody Rhodes, but we have seen at times where we think Cody should put the guy over, and he doesn't. Anthony Agogo, Sean Spears, but there's times where he does put it over the guy, like he put over Brody Lee, he put over MJF, and so so I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I know it's a big show, and usually on the bigger shows, 
This is where Cody gets a shine. And obviously coming back from, you know, what Malachi Black did uh, last month, you would think the feel-good story as he's supposed to be the baby face. You know, some people might turn on that as, you know, we're starting to see with these EVPs. Fans are starting to get a little sick of the EVP treatment. Not everybody, but I hope that Malachi Black does go over because he is one of the better things that we see in AEW and that entrance is really, really good. Really awesome. Yeah. High production yeah. value and all that stuff. But let's talk about one of the big names in AEW, you know, with all this momentum that they have right now, CM Punk fresh off his match with Darby Allen. What's next for him? So he addresses the crowd. He does his little, let's put over all the guys and mention all their names and calls out all their, all the young guys, you know, what we've been seeing from a typical CM Punk promo since he's come back uh, to AEW here. But then he gets interrupted by Taz and he's like, don't, don't mention anybody from team Taz. And Punk's like, I didn't mention anybody from team Taz, but at least team, but at least Taz, you know, was like, no, you didn't hear, but you're going on all these interviews and mentioning Ricky Starks and Hobbs or whatever. Don't talk about them anymore. And then all of a sudden we have powerhouse Hobbs come out and it looks like we're getting us at least a seed planted here that CM Punk is going to start a feud with team Taz. Now I think the betting odds of that were probably like a million to one, but what do you think of this CM Punk versus team Taz? Uh, you know what, believe it or not, I'm actually fine with this. I, I know that CM Punk is there and is a high profile name, but I think that he's staying true to his word and he's trying to use his stardom and his, his, his fanfare to try and build up some of the younger guys, you know, and, and that's the thing. Guys like Darby Allen, guys like Ricky Starks, they don't need to necessarily get wins over CM Punk mm-hmm. to, to, to look good, to, right. to do something for them. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's so many different examples you can go back and look to, uh, in, throughout pro wrestling where, you know, sometimes you take the guy to the edge, uh, you don't get the win, but you come out looking better. Obviously, most people probably remember the match between Jeff Hardy and Undertaker where, you know, he, right. Jeff Hardy did not win that ladder match, but he came out of that match looking damn good. John right. Cena came out of that match uh, with, with uh, Kurt Angle in his first match ever on SmackDown, and he looked really damn good. One, the two, three, Kid and Bret Hart's another example, yeah, too. There's, there's even even Darby, Darby and CM Punk this past right. week or right. at All Out. So I, I agree with you 100% here. Now, obviously, Team Taz, you know, everything revolves around that FTW championship. And while I feel like it's rendered meaningless because it just ends up in this infinite loop where it's just, you know, guys in Team Taz are the only ones that get involved with this title. But could you see CM Punk eventually getting the FTW championship out of this by beating Ricky Starks? Um, I mean, I guess if they're going to, if he's actually going to defend the title and you know what, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that because again, it, it keeps things interesting and it also keeps punk out of the, the title picture, which for now seems like it's, it's not crowded, but there's certainly a lot of people that are at least going to be in title contention. It looks like Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. at some point is going to work his way up to challenge for a title hangman yep. page. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Um, MJF just got a big win over, uh, I'm sorry. He didn't win against Chris Jericho, but who knows what they're going to do with MJF. There's a lot of guys that could be right at that title picture, um, relatively soon. So it doesn't seem like CM Punk necessarily needs to be there just now. Right now you bring up MJF and he is the 
Next segment that we're going to talk about here, because what's next for MJF now that he lost to Chris Jericho? There's some people that say that he's lost all his heat in AEW. Uh, I know Jim Cornette and Brian Last uh, were talking about it on their review of AEW All Out. They, you know, Jericho sucked all the blood out of MJF. However, MJF pretty much said, okay, thank you, F you, bye, to all those people. And got massive heat in his promo, just trashing Cincinnati, trashing Aunt Linda and uh, Brian Pillman's sister and uh, Brian Pillman Jr.'s sister, I should say, Brian Pillman's daughter, to the point where, did you hear this? MJF got so much heat last night on Brian Pillman Jr.'s sister that she went into labor. (laughs) I did hear that, yes. (laughs) I did. That is amazing. That's how good MJF is. He pissed off Brian Pillman Jr.'s sister so bad that she got contractions and Brian Pillman Jr. could have a nephew on the same birthday as him. That's pretty cool. But Brian Pillman Jr. comes out and, you know, tries to defend Cincinnati's honor, his family's honor, his dad's honor. Uh, He gets beat down, but we find out that in two weeks at that big Grand Slam show at Arthur Ashe Stadium, we're going to get a rekindled feud here. Their feud from MLW, Heart Found a new Heart Foundation versus the Dynasty, Ralph. Yes. Yeah, and we got the subtle little tease there with Wardlow, which, you know, all but looks like we are going to get the uh, the Psycho Sid and HBK storyline here yep. where the big man is going to turn on his, uh, on his um, you know, protege there. So right. um, who knows when that's going to happen, but it certainly seems like Wardlow is probably destined to feud with MJF and, you know, maybe get a singles run. I think that is what we're going to get. Um, but no, as far as MJF, just his ability to just cut promos and talk and build himself back up from the point where even if you want to say obscurity and losing to a guy like Jericho, who I don't even think he was on the show last night, right? Jericho was not on the show last so, night. Yeah. So well, I don't know. That- and I, I, because they did the taping of Rampage last night, I wonder if he was there to do commentary too, which... Speaking of commentary, where the hell was Excalibur? Uh, I think they said Excalibur was getting married. I think Jim Ross said that, so he wasn't there. So he is on like a couple-day hiatus. Oh, congratulations to Excalibur. I did not know that. I wonder if he's going to do a Joe Suicida during his wedding vows or something. You know, do you? I do! (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going to (laughs) say. But congratulations to Excalibur, uh, you know. Best of luck to you on that one. But what'd you think of Brian Pillman in his promo? Uh, effective. Uh, wasn't anything too special, but he was passionate and he connected with the crowd and he got the crowd behind him. Um, yeah, I, I thought he was fine. I, I didn't think that he he did a bad job. And I thought he also did a good job in the backstage segment that he was mm-hmm. in later on in the night too. Right. Yeah, I thought it was. A, I thought this was a very good segment. Definitely one of the best segments of the night. And you bring up Wardlow. They teased this. They pretty much did the same thing like Shawn Michaels did with Sid. He's like, "Go sit in the corner. I don't need you." They and you know, obviously saying the line that he said that got Wardlow like, "You kidding me? You're like, dude, don't mess with me." And you yep. know that that seed is planted. So I love this segment. Very good segment. Probably the best segment of the night. Now, Warlow does come out with the pinnacle in that six-man tag with the Dark Order. Question is, do you think this might be the lead to a mutiny where they kick MJF out of the pinnacle? I was, uh, 
I'm just kind of confused about the whole the whole dynamic between the pinnacle, the inner circle, which, you know, they haven't been building the, either of them really up. They've all been kind of doing their own thing. Right. To see MJF not come out with the group, I thought was a little odd. Um, I was dis- certainly disappointed that a week after having, you know, their their second match with Proud and Powerful FTR, they didn't really follow up on that, you know, and, and it was disappointing because they're both one and one. Who knows? I mean, yes, they can they can have uh, uh, their third tiebreaker match mm-hmm. at um, Arthur Ashe if they decide to. Right. You know, um, I just I don't know. It seems like they haven't been building up the two factions all that much recently. It's just been about MJF and Jericho and FTR and proud and powerful and everybody's doing their own thing. And now all of a sudden they're kind of back together. So I don't know. I wasn't really into this match all, all too much. Right. I mean, the the six-man tag was more to tell the story of the Dark Order and their splitting up, which I think is going to lead eventually to Hangman Page's return, uh, get them back on the right page, no pun intended, and then uh, eventually have him motivated to go after Kenny Omega for the uh, AEW championship. But let's head over to the women's match of the night. Ruby Soho, in her first singles match uh, in AEW, beats Jamie Hayter. Not a bad match, but, you know, it's a win for her to get her to the match that we will eventually see with her and Britt Baker. Do you think this helped her at all? Obviously, the win helps her, but do you think she was showcased well in this match? Yeah, I I thought she was fine. If anything, I felt like Jamie Hayter had a couple of weird spots where I think she dropped... uh... Wasn't there a spot where Jamie Hayter, like, dropped Ruby Soho, like, straight on her face? Uh, maybe I don't remember, but you could be right on that. And then there was a weird spot at the end where Riho came in and and Jamie Hayter went to like slam her on her knee. And I think that was kind of almost like a weird spot. Um, I I thought Ruby Soho looked fine. I think that Jamie Hayter, if anything, may have hurt her stock, maybe just a little, you know, I've seen some people say that too, which stinks. Right. But at the same time, I mean, this is Ruby Soho, who's the number one contender for the Women's Championship, fresh off of winning the Casino Battle Royale. So I don't think it really hurts Jamie Stock too much unless she was going to lose in like five seconds, which that didn't happen. It was a contested match, and we'll see what happens next week. I believe their match, Ruby Soho and Britt, is also at the Grand Slam show, correct? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, so that's, you know, it's already three matches set up for that show, and all three are bound to be pretty decent matches but one that might be added to the card daniel bryan versus kenny omega possibly i mean this was teased last night as the elite come out we know that adam cole's gonna have his first match next week on dynamite against the elite hunter frankie kazarian um and you know kenny cuts a promo and all that stuff so but daniel bryan comes out he asked the people, do they want to see Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson? Yeah. Crowd obviously going, yes, yes, yes. But then he says, and this might have been kind of a jab at WWE, that's not how things work here. Maybe he's got to earn his way to get that AEW championship match. Okay. So do you see Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega in two weeks? Or do you think they actually are like, no. You actually have to win your damn matches before you get that title shot. Because this is AEW. Wins and losses matter. I think if they are actually going to stick with the fact that they have a ranking system and that it's meaningful, then they should absolutely make Daniel Bryan wait. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That being said, would I complain if they were going to give me Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson? Of course not. I don't think any wrestling fan would. Right. But for for however long we've had, however many AEW fans, even people who watch our our podcast here and comment in our comment section, tell us the big difference between WWE and AEW is that when you go to AEW, you have to earn your title shots. I don't see how anybody can earn a title shot in two weeks unless there's some like Royal Rumble type match, number one contender eliminator match that they're going to set up. Um, they could do that. They could do, they could do the AEW championship eliminator match, Omega versus Danielson. And while the title's not on the line, they do the old pin the champion to get a title shot storyline. And maybe that's how Brian Danielson beats Kenny Omega to lead up to another match or just flat out Kenny Omega beats him. Yeah, it's, it's all possible. I, I just, I can't see uh, if AEW wants to stay true to who they are. I don't feel like they should give Brian Danielson a title match right now. Right. Um, again, would I complain if they decided to uh, No, because of course that's a match everybody wants to see, but it's almost hypocritical to, to do that if you're AEW. Now, if you build up Brian Danielson to be a number one contender for Kenny Omega and you do it the way that they have been doing it by having him rack wins, you figure the next time you probably would be able to have that big match would be full gear. Do you put Brian Danielson in that spot or do you put Hangman Page in that spot, assuming he's back in time to get that title shot? Well, if we had this conversation about a month and a half ago, I would have told you Hangman Page is the guy. Well, Hangman Page should have been the one at All Out. Right. But things have changed. You hired Brian Danielson, who, you know, you just got, what, your highest highest viewed show, right, mm-hmm. that they've had? Second ever. highest. Second, Second highest, highest viewing. Um, he's essentially, they're, they're one of their biggest names that they have. Um, all of this momentum coming after his debut. You know, it it's similar to like we talk about with WWE when you're over to the extent that John Cena is over, when you're over to the extent that a guy like Edge is over, when you come back, you get title shots because you're the guy that's gonna put asses in seats. Mm-hmm. Is Daniel is Brian Danielson gonna put asses in seats and move merch and sell tickets? Absolutely. Is Hangman Page gonna do that do that too? Yes, with the 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 AEW loyalists, sure, but not with casual fans because they might not know who he is yet. Right. Um, Hangman Page can get there. He's not at that point yet. So, well, I, I think bit- I do think a lot more people know who Hangman Page is than more than just the AEW loyalists. I think he is definitely one of the higher drawing guys before all this happened with CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole. He was would Hangman of- would Hangman Page sell out WrestleMania right no, now? No, no, no. But at the same time, the brand sells out WrestleMania at this point. Like, it's very hard to say Roman Reigns sells out WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan wrestles out. It's the brand. WWE sells out WrestleMania because there's never, there's not even a match announced when they start selling tickets and it sells out. They don't even need to put a match on the card. Has Hangman Page ever had a yes movement type phenomenon occur? It felt like it was getting there. But then this, you know, it felt like it was getting there. But then, you know, his wife's pregnant. He asked to leave. And, like, the momentum is just stopped. Now, 
you risk. Listen. And I said this, and some people are telling me I'm wrong, and I could be wrong. I'll admit I might be wrong on this. The momentum might have been stopped once CM Punk came and Brian Danielson came after he left. But who knows? He could come back and be even, you know, bigger because absence makes a heart grow fonder. If I turn the football game on tonight and I see the fans chanting cowboy shit, I will tell you that you have a valid point. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is with Daniel Bryan, the yes movement went beyond pro wrestling. Yes, I'm a businessman and I'm Tony Khan. I didn't hire this guy to go and be some mid Carter. That's going to wrestle, you know, some obscure guy on main of, in, in some of our pay-per-views. He's there to wrestle the top guys and to sell merch and to move tickets. Right. So, that's what, I mean, again, all depends on how you feel about it. I don't think there's a wrong answer as a wrestling fan, hangman page or Brian Danielson, but as a businessman, the right choice is probably Brian Danielson. Now, before we head on to the main event, let's just touch on this a little bit. Kenny Omega was number one in the PWI 500 list, just beating out Roman Reigns. Number three was Bobby Lashley. Four was uh, Drew McIntyre. Five was Kota Ibushi. I think it's very debatable between who should be number one and number two. We've done a, a, a breakdown of this already that while it was months ago, I think we agree on pretty much the same opinion that that video has. So if you haven't seen that, we'll put a link in the description. You can check out that conversation. But do you think Kenny Omega should have gotten the number one spot over Roman? Oh, you're putting me on the spot on this. Um, No, I don't. I don't think so. No, I don't think so because I feel like even if you look at the elite as a group, I feel like... The elite has d- have done some good things, but there's obvious people who have stood out. Now, look, Kenny Omega is amazing in the ring. I've always said that. I've always said he's one of the best, if not arguably, arguably the best wrestler in the world. So I'm not trying to discredit that. Right. Um, I feel like the Young Bucks have taken strides in the right direction and showing mm-hmm. that they are capable of more than just being the guys that were we were used to seeing. You know, all of the criticism about them being, you know, spot monkeys, not good on the mic. They're not characters. They're generic. They were great as heels. I feel like Don Callis is an amazing guy that is uh, able to be Kenny Omega's hype man. And he's another guy that stood out from the group of the elite. I think Kenny stands out for his in-ring ability, but I think he, frankly, he is not very good on the mic at all. I think he is borderline subpar. Um, And I'm not saying that that's everything in pro wrestling, but when Roman Reigns comes out from the beginning of his entrance to the end of his matches, there's a certain aura there about him that you simply aren't going to get with Kenny Omega because mm-hmm. he acts too, like too much of a goofball. I said this before. He is like the Joker from the original Batman that you used to see on like television in the 70s. That's how he acts. That's how his mannerisms are. And that's fine. But you have to understand that there's going to be fans who aren't going to be into that. Right. And- I... Right. I, I think it's all based on your criteria and PWI's criteria. It is a kayfabe list. Also, you have to take into consideration it goes from mid to, uh, you know, the second half of 2020 to the first half of 2021. So the stuff with Cena is not equated into this list. The stuff where Kenny Omega lost to Christian Cage is not part of this list, too. So that also plays an effect. The fact that Roman Reigns was inactive for the first two months of this sample set 
could have played a role in this. I think also the fact that uh, Kenny did what he did in multiple promotions plays a role, but also the thing that some people might say, and is part of PWI's equation, is the strength of the opponents that you had. I don't think anybody had a, a stronger opponents that they beaten than Roman Reigns. You know, he's beaten Drew McIntyre in this time. He's beaten Jey Uso, who's a you know multiple-time Hall of Fame tag team wrestler, made him, elevated him to a main event guy, Kevin Owens, Edge, Daniel Bryan, uh, Cesaro. It's hard to it's hard to say he didn't have a better year than than Kenny Omega, but for those that are going to go with Kenny Omega, he did win the Impact Championship. He successfully defended the AAA Mega Championship. He won the uh, AEW Championship. Was a tag team champion for a good three or four months in this time. Either way. You, you're not wrong if you say Omega. Right. You're not wrong if you're saying uh, Roman Reigns. Well, yes, you are. Because the best wrestler in the world is Walter. But but the problem with Walter was he only had like three matches this whole no, year. I know. I know. <laughs> there is no wrong answer. It's all subjective anyway. Right. It, it is subjective. I will say they're one and two. It's debatable. If you want to go with Roman, you want to go with Kenny. Depends on your criteria. But number three, I think they got right with Bobby Lashley, but it's a distant three. Yeah, yeah. I um, I can't see anybody that's even comparing to what Kenny and Roman are doing right now. Exactly. Uh, if if um, Osprey didn't get hurt, okay, maybe. But right, that's true. But uh, let's head on to the main event. Ralph John Moxley, who was also in the top ten, I believe he was number six on the list. Uh, he beats Minoru Suzuki in his hometown to close out the show. I was excited for this match, but I'll admit, little downer because one, they fought through a picture-in-picture commercial, which I, I hate those damn things. So annoying. But yeah. also, I wish they got a little bit more time on television, beating the hell out of each other. But TV time remaining, so you know it, it wasn't what it was, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and listen, the thing I found strange, and, and I'm not I'm not a huge New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. I watch it when when I have some spare time and I follow it. But I know there's a certain part in Suzuki's entrance there that a lot of people like to sing along through, and they didn't do that part. And I know people mm-hmm. are upset about that and vocal about it on Twitter. And it's strange because the match ended with three minutes to spare where all they did with Moxley was have him walk around the arena. And I was like, Okay, when I looked at the clock when the match ended, I was like, there's three minutes left. Somebody's coming out. Is Bray Wyatt going to debut? Like, what's going to happen here? Well, Bray Wyatt Saunder is, is not compete, I believe, so he well, can't. Whatever the case is, I thought something was going to happen, um, and it didn't. They just literally panned the camera and had Moxley go outside for the remaining three minutes of Dynamite, which I found odd. Um, the match itself was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. Um, you know, I... I think that the trading elbow spot is a little overdone, especially because you see it so many times in yeah in pro wrestling. You see it so many times in Moxley's matches. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't bad. It just, you know, it wasn't great either. Yeah. What are your final thoughts on the show itself? Uh, it's, it's interesting because so many times I see people argue about this, and we've talked about this a million times on this show too. Mm-hmm. 
pro wrestling and sports entertainment. I thought pro wrestling wise, the stuff that in the happened in the ring last night, you know, it was okay. There was not really one really truly great match. I thought there was enough there, but to me, it was the sports entertainment talking segments that carried the night by far. Right. Um, the reason for that was they all managed to line things up and put the younger guys in positions to say, okay, well, what's next? Uh, Frankie Kazarian going against Adam Cole next week or whenever that match is going to be. We know that that's a big thing. We know that we're going to have uh, something happen with MJF and Brian Pillman. That was a big mm-hmm. segment that a lot of people were talking about. Then we had CM Punk, who seems like he's going to be in some type of feud with Team Taz. So those segments, aside from the pro wrestling that actually happened, the talking segments, the sports entertainment, if you will, is what to me made the show interesting and made me want to watch uh, Rampage and, and Dynamite kind of going forward. Yeah, I totally agree. Like we go back and forth and we said it. Pro wrestling is sports entertainment. Sports entertainment is pro wrestling. They're interchangeable words, although wrestling fans don't want to admit this, but it's true. And AEW, I feel like is doing WWE better than WWE right now. You know, it's not the, I mean, yes, the matches are good, but what's really getting them to that next level is that, that production value, that, WWE was miles ahead of in any other promotion. It's the storytelling. It's the, it's the promos. It's the stars. It's that aura of like what's happening right now. And that lively crowd, that's what's making these shows entertaining. Are the matches good? Yeah. But I'm entertained with the stuff outside of the ring, the backstage segments, the, the punk segment, the MJF segment. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. The stuff with Ruby Soho. It was a good match. The match with Malachi Black, it was a good match. Moxley, good match, but nothing there that I'm like, oh my God, this match we got to check out. And I'm excited to see who they're fighting next week. Next week, though, we got Kazarian and Adam Cole. That should be a good match. In two weeks, we got Malachi Black and Cody. That should be a good match. So either way, they're getting you to that feeling, I want to watch next week. If you got that feeling, they're doing their job. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, I think MJF stole the show last night. I think he was pretty much the talk of the night. Um, and, you know, that that's keeping people intrigued and that's keeping people coming back for more. So that's totally what you agree. want to do. Totally agree. But let us know what you guys thought of AEW Dynamite this week. And obviously, the fact that they beat Raw in the ratings this week. Don't get too tribalistic in the comments, but let us know. Don't forget to share us over social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPE Podcast. Subscribe, hit that bell, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble.